the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. Celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. Visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Wednesday Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to be teaching out of the very end of 1 Kings 22 and 2 Kings chapter 1. I'm going to get through all of that tonight. Uh, And I'm really excited because not tonight, but a week from tonight is one of my favorite Bible studies in all of the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah uh, preparing, testing Elisha. Uh, It is thrilling, but, but it's so practical for us. So, Uh, You guys can keep praying for me for a week in advance now. Uh, Tomorrow, Paula will be live in the studio with us on the date day edition of the program. And that means everything's going pretty normal. So I hope that helps. Let me get to some questions that have been sent while we wait your phone calls. I want to apologize again to Kenneth, who was left sort of hanging at the end of yesterday's program. Everybody tells us they could hear you fine, Kenneth. Uh, But but just here in the studio, we couldn't hear you at all. We're getting just tiny bits and pieces like these electronic blurbs. uh, And and evidently the problem was on our end. So uh, if you want to try it again, we would love to have you call uh, 340-9585. We'll get you on the air right away whenever you call. Let me go to some questions that have been sent in while we await any phone calls. This is an anonymous um, email from um, our email inbox. It says, a friend from church is reading the book called The Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael Heiss or Heisey. I'm not sure which it is. He says it explains how the supernatural worldview can help us grow in our understanding of God. Have you ever read or heard of this book or author or recommendations. I have not read this book. I'm not familiar with it. I was familiar with Dr. Heiss or Heisey, um, um, only tangentially, so I don't know a lot about him. Uh, He is a believer. Uh, He is, um, oh, how can I say this? He's gifted at looking into details. I think he takes a lot of rabbit trails, Anonymous, in the sense that that he is um, um, ministering to his word, 
um, those who believe they've been a victim of UFO uh, abduction. He doesn't personally believe in it himself. Um, so I, I think his view um, of the demonic world explains some of those things, but he's very proactive in compassionately ministering to those people who really do believe that they've been abducted. Uh, abducted. And uh, I just don't know that there's a lot of value in that, but um, th- there's just some things that are a little strange, but but no, not having read the book, uh, I really can't offer much of a criticism uh, of it at all. Uh, but uh, uh, Dr. Heiser Heisey is a believer, uh, and he is not prone to um, going off on weird tangents himself. Um, he's uh, careful to explain his uh, doctrinal theology. Um, and he is not one who identifies with fringe elements. In fact, um, he says, um, my theology comes from the Bible, and at least that part I like. But I'm sorry, Anonymous, I just don't know any more about him than that. Um, with your discernment, read his book if you're interested. I'm sure it doesn't explain everything that goes on in the unseen realm, uh, because we don't know everything. We haven't been told everything that goes on in the unseen realm. Uh, As you know, I depend on the Word of God, and uh, the Bible tells us, gives us some snapshots of things that are happening. Daniel chapter 10, um, what I studied just last week, um, uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, gives us some insight into the things going on in the unseen world. The book of Job, the Apostle Paul, uh, being buffeted by a messenger from Satan. So we know that stuff goes on, but but I think purposely we don't get a whole lot of detail. And that's why I just don't think there's a lot of value in spending time on uh, speculating on things where God alone knows the answers. One day we will know everything that we need to know, that day when we look into those eyes and we see him for the very first time. Thank you for the question. Sorry, I hadn't read the book. Here's a question from Sandy from our email inbox. Uh, Pastor Ron, I've been in a discussion with a church friend about what we might remember in heaven. She recently read and did a Bible study from Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. In a chapter of the book titled, Do People in Heaven Pray for Those on Earth? Randy Alcorn states, Revelation 6.10, as proof that we will remember some things in heaven. The martyred saints were asking for their deaths to be avenged. I also am curious if you're familiar with this author and book and if it's something that we need to stay away from. I truly appreciate your insight, teaching, and listen all the time. Sincerely, Sandy from Seguin. Sandy, thank you for the nice things that you've said. Um, um, Randy Alcorn's book, I haven't read it. Um, Again, here's a place, Sandy, where I've got some some basic difficulties with it. It's, It's a book... I think it's 476-odd pages uh, in this book about heaven. Um, And the Bible just doesn't give us that much information. So the whole book is going to be speculation. Now, he is an author. He is an accomplished author. I know people who have liked this book. And I don't think there's anything heretical about the book. Uh, uh, Randy Alcorn in his personal ministry has been a little bit off the edge a couple of times. But uh, in in his writings, and he's a very gifted writer, um, um, I think his books um, fall into the category of orthodoxy. And this is one of those cases. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about using the the, uh, Revelation 6.10 verse. It says uh, he uses that as proof that we will remember some things in heaven. That's not proof at all. Uh, those are the tribulation martyrs, and they're 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 the ones who uh, lose their heads figuratively and, and literally. Uh, they die for their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, having converted during the great tribulation, and they're seen under the altar in heaven, crying out. Um, how long, O oh Lord, until you avenge our death? And God says, just a little while longer. Take it easy. Um, that that time is coming. But they're not in heaven. They're under the altar of God somewhere, and we can't even explain that. And these aren't people um, uh, who, as part of the church, will be in heaven with Jesus during the seven years of the Great Tribulation. 
So the idea that we will remember some things in heaven that are bad is foreign to what the Bible teaches. So there's just a lot of this that you can see as his um, um, logical or illogical, depending on your perspective, um, speculating uh, about the things that God doesn't tell us about. I can tell you in heaven we know from the word of God that that, uh, that there won't be any pain, there won't be any sorrow, there won't be uh, any tears in heaven. So the things that we're not going to remember in heaven are those things that would bring sorrow, those things that, that would cause us to, to cry. So those are the kind of things that Jesus is going to sort of give us a, a brain swipe and nothing impure is ever going to enter heaven again. I also think his book, uh, Alcorn's book, is a little bit ambiguous going between um, the millennial reign of Christ on earth. That's not heaven. It's going to be wonderful. Jesus is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem with with absolute perfect justice. And I think I can't wait for that. Imagine on this world, in this world that we live in now where there is no justice, um, he is going to rule and reign and the justice will be swift and it will be certain. And uh, he is going to rule the world with an, with an iron scepter. Um, he's going to be, as I've said before, on this program, a potentate. There won't be any room for disagreement. Um, by the way, that's why multitudes of people, huge numbers of people at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth are going to rebel against him when Satan is let loose. However, in this particular case, uh, that's not heaven, and that's why uh, a new heaven and a new earth is going to be required after the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. And it is, Sandy, such a completely new order of things that... um, they're just for us trying to imagine what it's going to be like is uh, fruitless. Uh, Paul said he'd been there and he saw things that man is not permitted to tell, unexplainable things. So if he'd been there and saw it, um, why would we think that we can conclude that it's going to be this way? Or that way, so I just there's so little information about specific information about heaven. Now I understand. Besides saying heaven is going to be wonderful, uh, more than we can ask or imagine, um, I understand the curiosity. We want to know. The world is portrayed being in heaven is floating around on a cloud forever, plucking a harp uh, with little chubby angelic uh, figures. But but but. We know that's not going to be the case, and we know we want to know what it's going to be like. I've actually had people tell me, Sandy, that, well, I don't want to go to heaven because it's just going to be one long worship session. I don't even like worship here. Um, it, it's just that, that shows our ignorance because God, what he has prepared for those of us who have loved him and who've trusted him is beyond our ability to comprehend. It is an entirely new order of things. And I think we do heaven a disservice by trying to to explain it away in worldly terms. I, I used to tease that when when we get to heaven we see somebody like Paul or John who's who's been there and 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 or Daniel who's written uh, prophetic passages about heaven and what's going on in the in the spiritual realm. Uh, why didn't you tell us it was like this? And I think their answer is going to be we didn't have words. We didn't know what it was going to be like. We didn't have words that explain this. And we're going to be able to enjoy it forever and ever. So I don't know that Randy Alcorn is an author that you need to stay away from. I do think you need discernment. um, But I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, um, uh, His book is is generally very favorably looked upon. Um, But I'm just one of those guys who I want my information to come from the Word of God. And if it's not in the Word of God, it's not there. The details are not there because we couldn't receive them. And I'm I'm okay waiting. Uh, I think the, 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 the light of heaven is going to be the experiences that we have over and over and over. One final thought, Sandy. Um, last week... I had a question about the uh, Bell Telescope 
uh, pictures that were, were circulating of new galaxies being found and just spectacular, spectacular thing. I think God is revealing those things just to sort of saying, this is just the beginning of what I have waiting for you. And every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, heaven is going to be our new home. And uh, it's going to be home because that's where Jesus is. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Donald. Uh, Pastor Ron, do you think God is judging the United States of America? Um, Donald, I do. Now, let me make a, a, a distinction here because it's not judgment like God is going to judge the world during the Great Tribulation. That is very tangible judgment. People are going to die. The world is going to be destroyed. Uh, that's not um, the, the judgment that's going on right now. Right now, God is judging not just the United States. He's judging the world. I know a lot of Americans, we like to think that we're sort of exempt from that because we're God's country, but we're not. We're not. And yes, God is judging the United States of America. It's interesting, Donald, when your question came in, uh, I am in First Kings and now tonight going to start Second Kings. And God judged his people the same way. Judgment must begin at the house of God. God is judging even Christians who are falling away, apostate. Um, basically, he's saying, if you won't believe the truth, I'm going to let you believe anything. And Donald, we believe anything. Uh, my Bible study tonight demonstrates that if you don't believe that which is true, you will believe anything is true. And I think that's God judging the United States. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I think it's verse 12, says that God sent them a powerful delusion. Um, he allowed deceiving spirits to deceive us. And he did that because we don't believe the revelation of God. It's that simple. We're turning away from the word of God and we're believing anything else. And we believe things that are unbelievable. I've used this as an example on this radio show uh, several times. We we actually have been sold and we have purchased. We've bought what they're selling. We've been sold that men can be women and women can be men. We have a Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America who said she couldn't answer the question, what is a woman? Well, I'm not a biologist, she said. That's a question we can answer from the time we're infants. It's so easy to answer. Now, how in the world is it possible that we could believe these things? God is judging us with a deceiving spirit. He's turning us over to ourselves. He's removing his hand. And that's the picture in my mind, Donald. Uh, just, just God's hand is covering us, protecting us. And now he's just moved his hand. And now lying spirits, uh, evil spirits, um, just this nonsense that, that we're bombarded with every day, ask to believe that these things are true. Um, when we know just common sense at any level demonstrates that it's not true, we'll believe it's true. And that's because God has just turned us over to ourselves. And the United States certainly is not immune. In fact, I would say the United States stands a stricter judgment uh, because we have been abundantly blessed by God. Um, we have deserted our duty to protect Israel. Um, and God has just turned us loose. And when he does that, things are not going to be good. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, in Second Timothy chapter 3, talks about this very thing. And we live now in a world. I want you to think about this, Donald, and everybody else in the studio audience. We live in a world now 
where we are losing an entire generation of kids. I don't mean Christians are losing an entire generation of kids. We're losing an entire generation of kids uh, who can think, who can reason, who have meaning and purpose and direction in their lives. We live in a world where in increasing numbers, young white men, typically ages 18 to about 22, are shooting people. In, in staggering numbers, we just had it again. Um, it's, it, why? Because they're, 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 they spend their time playing video games. They spend their time um, on social media. They, they no longer can think. We live at a time where increasingly teenage girls and, and, and disproportionately teenage girls are struggling with their bodies, their, the change of life that they're going through. Um, I think all of us remember as teenagers how uncomfortable we were in our bodies. And their conclusion, fed by the world that we're living in, by these deceiving spirits, is that, well, you must not be a girl, you must be a boy. And, and while this also happens to, to men as well, in, in exponentially greater numbers, this is affecting our teenage girls. And many of them are having breasts removed with the consent of their parents. Far more are having hormone, in this case, testosterone therapy, so they can grow hair on their faces and their bodies will change. And we're in irreversible territory. And the world believes it and says it's all good. So, Donald, do you think God is judging the United States? I think the evidence is absolutely overwhelming. Thank you very much for the question, Donald. I appreciate it. Let's go to Thomas on line one. Thomas, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hello, uh, Mr. Arbaugh. How are you doing? Um, I just, I've been reading in Jeremiah, and I think it's chapter 17, because I'm, I'm, I'm working, but I'm driving, so, but I'm trying to get this right here. Um, when God has, has told, the word of God came to Jeremiah, and he was telling them that he was going to judge the sins of Judah and Israel. Is that kind of what's going on, the application now in the United States? I know you touched on it, but is that, can, can that kind of clear it up a little bit as well? Yeah, I, I think so, Thomas. I think that the parallels, uh, especially as you study First uh, and Second Kings and First uh, and Second Chronicles, I think as you study those, you see a great parallel in the way God is dealing with his people then and the way he's dealing with people now. I think we get the kind of government that we deserve. Um, um, I won't make a political statement here, but I, I think all we have to do is look at the government that we have right now. And if that's what we deserve then, uh, boy, that doesn't say much to us. But yes, I believe that God is, uh, Jesus said, too much is given, much much is required. And the, the idea there is much more is required. And we've been given much in this country. And so, yes, I think God is dealing with us. Uh, with Judah, uh, at the end, he turns them over to, to uh, he said, women will be your, your, your rulers and your counselors. And, uh, of course, that was a, a slight in the ancient world. And, and here's what he's saying. Your, your men have abandoned their responsibility. And so what I'm going to do is just let things go. He's just not intervening. And I believe uh, with all of my heart that we're in that place, um, Thomas. And, and, and I think... Um, you know, you look at the kings of Israel, the northern tribes, and the kings of Judah, and more than 80% of them were, were horrible kings, um, the people given over to evil. And in, in particular, uh, in Judah even, there were only eight kings that were described as godly or good kings. Now think about that. And, and you look at, at the, uh, the, the way that our government has just lost touch with the people. Our government has lost touch with real issues. And um, there's just no justice. So, yes, I believe with all of my heart that this is what's going on. Um, Judah was in sin. The northern tribes were in sin. And God was very patient. God has been patient with us. 
maybe not as patient as he has been in these last days uh, or in the earlier days with with, uh, Judah in particular. But God has been very patient with us, and we haven't responded at all. One of the things that I think uh, we can do in terms of, of focusing our prayers is that we need to pray for our our nation's leaders. We need to pray that they get saved. We need to pray that the Spirit of God would fall upon them. In fact, uh, my producer and I just went on the air. We were praying, and we had just seen something come up that we both of us kind of, oh, no, here we go again. And and then I thought, well, well, we better pray right now for those people that we were just talking about. And we want them to be saved. I want the president, the vice president, I want the senators and the congressmen, I want our governors and our state legislators, I want a a move of God's spirit because the only thing that can save us, the only thing that can save us is a turn to God. Uh, In my study tonight, Ahaziah, who is the wicked king, uh, wicked son of the wicked king Ahab and even the more wicked mother Jezebel, um, um, all he had to do was seek the Lord, and he refused to do it, and he died. Well, that's where we are. Thomas, thanks for the question. I appreciate it very, very much. we got 30 minutes left in the program today, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630, The Word. We're taking your calls at 210-340-9585. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Wednesday show, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is an interesting question from Mandy. She says, I live with my parents while working in a ministry for very little pay because I feel this is what God wants. My parents want me to get a real job instead. Should I stay faithful to what I believe God is asking? I'm 21 years old. Mandy, you're probably not going to like my answer, but this is a wonderful opportunity for you to demonstrate what walking by faith is really all about. Let me say first, I appreciate your heart that wants to work. I appreciate your obedience. You feel this is what God wants you to do. But if your parents aren't on board, then you need to move out. It's that simple. You need to move out. Trust the Lord. I, I, I would absolutely say, yes, you should stay faithful to what I believe God is asking, but not in their home. You're 21 years old. It's time for you to demonstrate that you are an adult. You can make adult decisions and you're willing to live with the consequences or the rewards or the blessings about those decisions. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two says, it is required that every man, and in your case, I would add woman, um, uh, given a trust by God must prove faithful. So, Mandy, this is the time when you can say, look, this is a test. This is what God wants me to do. I feel like that with all of my heart. God will protect you. It doesn't mean things will be easy, but, but you've got to stop trying to figure out how you're going to do the math and make it work. You've got to go. If your parents want you to get a real job instead, it's time for you to go to them and thank them for supporting you. Thank you for allowing them to stay in your home beyond just your normal uh, 18 or so years um, that, that, that typically kids, or it used to be typically, that kids are at home. And say, now I'm going to follow my heart. And you can say, Mom, Dad, just watch what God is going to do. I have to obey God. That's what faith is all about. And so I'm going to move out and do it quickly. I mean, don't drag your feet. And give them an opportunity to see what faith really looks like in action. So it's time to go. You're a 21-year-old young woman. God bless you. Now, this is a chance for you to let God 
show you his power and show you his goodness and show you his faithfulness. I want to say that that uh, I've been in this situation not not I've been 21 for a very long time, but um, um, you know we take steps of faith that make no sense, and um, do we take counsel from other people and and play it safe? Or do we do what God wants us to do? And Mandy, I believe that that God has been um, so abundantly faithful that you get to the place where you trust him uh, beyond anything or anyone else. So it's time for you to say goodbye to mom and dad in love and no animosity, no acrimony. Just, Just thank you for all that you've done. And now would you pray for me? And as they see... God working in your heart, then they too will have a confidence that you're following God and they'll have a confidence in God himself. I'm assuming they're believers, but um, I I can't say anything other than that's an assumption. Um, Show them what faith really looks like. Mandy, thank you very, very much. Let's go to line one and talk with Caesar from San Antonio. Caesar, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Juan. Um... I had a question. Well, first I have a statement, and it's about Jesus in the New Testament. Okay. He's dealing people with defects, the blind see, the lame walk. So I think about Leviticus, uh, chapter 21, last verses of it. It talks about how nobody with a defect can sacrifice anything to the Lord. Um, so my question mm-hmm. is, if, if God is the same as he was yesterday as he is today, why... All of a sudden, is Jesus touching these people with defects when in the, in the Levitical times, these people couldn't even sacrifice uh, to God for their defects? So if you could just please clarify that for me, because it kind of stumps me at times. Uh, I would highly appreciate that. Thank you, Caesar. I can. I appreciate your calls and your thoughtful questions. Uh, that's really a pretty easy answer, Caesar. Um, the law, of course, was given to us to demonstrate that nobody could approach God on the basis of works. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that's in the continuous present tense in Romans. So uh, we're all always following short. There's no way we can approach God on the basis of what we've done. And because God is holy, those who were with defect, those who were with diseases and and oozing type of things, there's a lot of oozing pus in Leviticus, but uh, they couldn't approach God. They couldn't go to to the priest. They couldn't be cleansed. They couldn't be um, um, in touch with other Jews uh, because they would render them unclean. Uh, And it just demonstrates the hopelessness of man. Now, when Jesus comes, all of that changes. Because the Old Testament prophets were repeatedly demonstrating that when the Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, these are the things that he's going to do. You'll remember when John the Baptist was having some doubt during his difficult imprisonment. Um, uh, he sent two of his followers to Jesus. Are you the one that we are uh, waiting for? Should we, should we look for another? And Jesus said, you go tell John the blind see." And the lepers are cleansed and the lame can walk. And that was that was the explanation. That's what the Old Testament said he would do. So he was about the business of the Christ or the Messiah. And apart from Christ, it was impossible for people in desperate situations to come to God. And um, that's what he did for you, Caesar. That's what he did for me. No one can see God and live. Um, I love in the New Testament where Paul writes that God lives in unapproached light. And yet because of Jesus, we can approach because though our sins were as scarlet, they are now by the blood of Jesus, white as snow, Isaiah says. So uh, that's the answer. It was Jesus who changed all of that. And that is one of the reasons, Caesar, that he had so much conflict with um, the, the Jewish religious leaders. You remember when, when he healed the lepers, he would say, now go show the priest that you've been healed. You know, until that point, um, no Jew, until Jesus came, no Jew had ever been cleansed of leprosy. No Jew. Um, two Gentiles, just for a moment, uh, but, but, but no Jew. And, and Jesus is saying, now you go 
show the, high, the, the priests and make the offering for, for sacrifices. And the result was they should have said, the, the, the Messiah is here. That was the work that he was called to do. And, um, and they simply turned their eyes away from the one who did those miracles. And in fact, then the religious leaders would become even more hostile to Jesus um, for doing those things. And Jesus repeatedly was challenged for, for, for hanging around with sinners and for touching people who were unclean. And um, the, the picture is simple. Jesus changes all of that. So remember, the law demonstrated the hopelessness of mankind. By observing the law, no man will be declared righteous. And that's why Jesus had to come. And that's why even now, people like me, Caesar, can stand in the presence of the Lord every single day. In fact, in the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in us. Thank you for the question. That's a wonderful. Here is a question from Mike. He says, Why do Christians care about people who have gender identity issues? Why can't we just leave them alone? Mike, real Christians can't leave any sinner alone. It's that simple. We just can't. It's not them and us. They're the object of our ministry. Unsaved sinners are the object of our ministry. And we care deeply about people with gender identity issues. We care deeply about people who have um, uh, are, are in same-sex uh, relationships. We can't leave them alone because God loves them and it's our responsibility to tell them. And this idea that we can just sort of accommodate them, not say anything, and sort of remove ourselves from the public discourse is foreign to to uh, the scriptures, Mike. So we have to care about them. We can't look at them as broken or defective. We can't look at them as our enemies. Uh, we have to look at them through the heart and the eyes of Jesus. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5, 5. What we have to do, Mike, is have enough faith to tell people the truth because we care about them, because we love them. And somebody who is a male says he is a woman. Uh, somebody who is a woman says she is a male. It's our responsibility to simply say God loves you and he died to deliver you from this kind of confusion. And the answers are clear. Now, we're probably not going to be received very well. But th- but that's okay. Jesus said they hated him. They're going to hate us. They insulted him. They're going to insult us. So, Mike, we have to care. We can't leave people who are dying apart from Christ alone. We just can't. Let's go to Jimmy on line one from San Antonio. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, I believe what you say, and I treat them like human beings. Yep. But I was going to tell you, what day is it? What day or the retreat? Oh gosh, it's September. I think it's in the first week. Eight through the ten. Uh, eight through ten or something around there, Jimmy. It's a Thursday through Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Eight, eight through ten. Eight through ten. Yes. September. Okay. Of September. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know September. All right. That's it. That's all I wanted to ask you. Oh, that's all. Okay, we hope to see you there, Jimmy. All right. God, thank you, God bless. We we have um, uh, Pastor Dan Lights from Calvary Chapel in Oceanside, California, who's going to come in and speak to us this year, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, Paul and I got to spend some time with uh, with uh, Dan and his wife Nicole, and um, we were we're excited to to have him. September the 8th through the 10th. Let's go to Kenneth on line two. Kenneth, please forgive me and please, I hope I can understand you. Oh, no problem. No, there's no reason. uh, There's nothing to forgive. Everything's wonderful, Pastor. I just wanted to ask you a question. Uh, Can you hear me? Hello? I can hear you well. I hear you perfectly. Thank you. Good. Um, I just... uh, Recently, well, it's been a while back, I got uh, diagnosed, and it's two questions I want to ask you. I got diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, and it's 
they say it's irreversible. And I went to this one doctor, uh, and he said, you've got this amount of time to live. And so I didn't, I didn't return to him. And so I've got a new doctor, and he says, Kenny, the Lord's in control, and I, I'm just so blessed to have a wonderful doctor. And, and I know that, um, that uh, you know, I'm so, so blessed to be alive and, and uh, you know, thank God for every day and, and for him to use me and, and uh, to be obedient to his calling. Uh, my question is, um, and like I know Paul says, or God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient and Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, and I know I'm going back and forth, but with the lady with the issue of blood, um, was it her faith level? Could you explain that to me? Was it her faith level when, you know, Jesus was in the crowd and, um, that, yeah. you know, that, 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 um, just like if I could just touch the hem of his garment and I'm not, I'm so blessed to be alive if, if he chooses to, um, uh, he chooses who he wants to heal and who he doesn't. And I'm not, like I said, I'm so thankful. I'm not mad or anything. I've got an, you know, every day is a gift of life. And I know yeah. that, you know, but anyway, I didn't mean to take all this time, but if I could. that That's okay. Your... That's yeah. yeah. Kenneth, that, that's okay. Please listen carefully. I hope I'm going to be able to encourage you. You sound a lot like the woman with the issue of blood. Um, you know, you made a statement, you know God chooses who he wants to heal and who he doesn't want to heal. Um, that That's sort of a mischaracterization because God wants to heal everybody. I don't mean that God wants to heal everybody physically, but he's going to heal everybody. He knows uh, what his plan is. He knows uh, what we're going to do. I, I think of uh, Hezekiah, uh, who was a good king. And when God delivered a death sentence to him, um, he really pleaded with God, and God gave him 15 more years. Um, And that probably wasn't a good thing, because the worst king in Judah's history was born during that time, his son Manasseh. We don't don't know the plan of God. Um, We don't know how it advances God's glory for some to be healed and some who won't get healed. Just this past Sunday, uh, I was teaching about uh, John and James, the difference between uh, their their uh, their lives um, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, John lived to be 95 or so years old, uh, an unheard of age in the ancient world. And James, his brother, same one that was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, the same one that went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and the same uh, two brothers who went in along with Peter, and, and uh, saw uh, Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. Um, um, James was the first of the apostles martyred for his faith. So we don't know why we'll have those questions answered. Now, regarding the, the woman with the issue of blood, um, I don't like the term you use, level of faith, because she did not have great faith. Uh, for 12 years, she spent all of her money on doctors. Um she 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 was certainly in a terrible situation. Her situation got worse, uh, but for twelve years she was she was looking elsewhere, uh, other than God, for a cure. So it wasn't like her faith was great. Uh, it's also true, Kenneth, that her faith was a bit superstitious. Um, you know, there was a, a superstition that that um, um, just by by touching the hem of of a. Uh, um, um, a priests or a high priests in particular robe, um, people could be healed. There was another we know in the book of Acts, if a shadow walked by and the shadow came across you, you could be healed. Those were superstitions. But what God was doing was honoring the faith that she had. Jesus said we need only a tiny bit of faith, mustard seed faith. And if we really believe, then we can move mountains. And it's not literal or physical mountains in view here. So this woman, God honored her bravery, her courage, her faith, um, and he had compassion on her. And he knew that virtue in the King James, I love that translation, um, um, came out of him when she touched him, and that's why he stopped everybody. So the idea here is that she had enough faith in who he was and what he came to do, and God rewarded that faith. 
In your case, Kenneth, God knows exactly the plan he has for you. And while we all want that plan to be extended, nobody wants to die. That's an instinctive um, um, uh, drive that we have, this drive to live. Um, When we get to heaven, um, we're going to look into his eyes and we're not going to have a single complaint. And when I say that you're a lot like that woman with the issue of blood, Kenneth, it's because of the, the gratitude that you have in your heart. You've lived a blessed life. You're grateful instead of being angry at God. Um, you're just more grateful to him. And so what we do now, Kenneth, and I think this is the approach you take, and I'll be praying for you as well, that God would have mercy on you. I, I just have some people that are that, that I love so much. I've never even met them face to face. And uh, um, the husband uh, in this family has been suffering from pancreatic cancer for a very, very long time. And he was sent home, uh, hospice. Uh, He was unsaved. The wife who loved Jesus with all of her heart um, has had me and everybody else praying for him. And, And he came to faith in Jesus Christ. So now my prayer has been, okay, Lord, you've answered our prayers. You've been so patient. Now my prayer is that you would have mercy. And allow them to enjoy time together as a husband and wife serving Christ in the Spirit. However long it is, let them have some time together to, to show them what a, what a godly marriage really is all about and how you will bless. And so we've been now, I've been asking for that kind of time. And uh, Kenneth, that is, uh, that's the, the, the way I would pray if I were you. And like you, um, when if Five five years ago now, I, I, I was suffering from what appeared to be uh, what, what should have been a fatal um, heart issue with, with a virus attacking my heart. All I could say is, Lord, you have given me the richest life ever. And I don't want it to end. I think there's more work to do. But I wanted to take the time just to say thank you. And Kenneth, that's what you've been doing. So God bless you. I'll be praying for you. And that woman with the issue of faith, um, she was willing to risk everything. So what you do now is risk everything and listen to your doctors, do what they tell you to do. However, your new doctor is right. God is the one who holds life in his hands and he can do anything at any time. And we've seen it over and over and over here. Now, we've also had people who died and went to be with Jesus. But sometimes God chooses to heal. And we're going to be praying, Kenneth, that you're one of those times. Thank you, Kenneth, for the phone call and for your extreme patience. Thank you for calling us back. Let's go to Seguin and talk with our friend Ruben on line one. Ruben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Um, Thank you. Really quick, I'm just asking for prayer. Uh, I've been sick for the past couple of weeks, and... I've been having a shortness of breath and congestion, and first they thought it was pneumonia, but doctors said that, now the doctor says that when I had COVID, that uh, uh, the COVID messed up my lungs, and now Mm -hmm. it's giving me uh, breathing uh, treatments, and, well, you know, the enemy is just a mess with my mind, you know, and I'm putting fear into my mind, and I should fear if I die. Because I know if I die, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. Not that I'm going to die, but, you know, I've had a lot of deaths in my family because of COVID. Um, I'm just asking for y'all's prayers, um, just for strength, for strength to, to get through this, you know, um, this this trial, this hurdle, you know, because I know God has gotten me through so much. And I know that God would not have brought me here, would not have brought me here just to take me away. But, I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, people tell me that, but then I, I sit there and look, I, I, I listen to what I say and say, you know, what, Ruben, <clears throat> God can take you at any re- at any time for any reason. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far he brought you. You know, he could, he could take you. So just please, can y'all... All of y'all, I'm asking everyone who's listening out there, please pray for Ruben, Ruben Vela and Seguin to have strength to get through this. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to pray 
to lift me up, to, to hold me up while I'm going through this. Please, please. Yeah, Ruben, let, let me pray for you right now, and, and, and we will continue praying. And I know now there are tens of thousands of people praying for you as well. Father, we lift our friend Reuben to you, and he has been through much worse than this, Lord. And on every occasion, you have been there waiting for him, um, and he has grown so much, and he has loved you so much, and he has learned so much. And we're asking, merciful God, that you would now touch him and heal. Lord, you alone know the time of his death. Uh, we're all going to die. You know the time of his death. Here's what we're asking for, Lord, that, that while he is still here, that he would have the strength to be able to serve you with all the strength that he has. Fill him overflowing with your presence. Let the peace of God that passes understanding to bring him deep and abiding comfort. And Jesus, may he take this time to get closer to you than ever before. Finally, Lord, we know that the enemy is going to kind of keep pushing those fearful buttons, and we ask you to limit his access to Reuben. And um, may this be a wonderful testimony to your faithfulness, to your goodness. And Lord, we thank you for the friend that Reuben has been. We just need more time. So help him, Lord. And, and there are so many with COVID-related breathing issues after the fact. Jesus, come quickly. Until you do, then give our friend Reuben the strength to serve you and follow you with all of his heart. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. You have been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. My name is Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Paula will be live in studio with us tomorrow on the date day edition of the show. We'll see you then, Lord willing, on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. The Word to Stand On for Life airs every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life is sponsored by Calvary Chapel San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.